Hello, and welcome to Exploring the Bible. I'm your host, Esther Harbison, and today we are continuing our discussion on the Twelve Apostles of Jesus Christ with the brothers Simon Peter and Andrew. Now we are starting to get into, or we are fully in, the more well-known Apostles of Jesus. We did James, Son of Zebedee, and John last week, and today we are looking at Simon Peter and Andrew. Now these four were all raised in, Beth- in the town of Bethsaida in Galilee, and all four are believed to have been close friends before and during the ministry of Jesus. And in fact, it is believed that these four were partners in their fishing business. But today we we look at Simon Peter and Andrew and we're going to start with the brother Andrew, the younger of the two. And coincidentally, the very first disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, what happened was John the Baptist pointed to Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, starting in verse 29, and and called John, I mean, called Jesus the Lamb of God. And when he did this, both John, the Apostle John, and Andrew immediately followed Jesus as disciples. And it's recorded that Andrew is the very first disciple of Jesus and when he came to Jesus and he believed that Jesus was the Messiah he immediately brought his brother Peter or then Simon to Jesus and the two brothers seem to have gone back to uh, pursuing their fishing career for a while and then it did not become the stated apostles of Jesus until after John's imprisonment. And you can read that in, in Matthew 4:18, uh, And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and answered his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And this is when, this is when Jesus specifically calls his apostles to him and he's he's going around and he's he's calling his, his apostles to him the, the men that would become the leaders of the early church now very little is known of Andrew and he's, he's hardly mentioned in the Bible but he it is known that he was one of of the inner circle of disciples and and uh, this is evidenced in one way um, in John 12, uh, twelve twenty-two, when Philip brought the Greeks to Andrew. Uh, the the Greeks will uh, the Greeks came up to Philip and they were wanting to meet Jesus, and and Philip brought them to Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip brought them to Jesus, and and it is believed that that perhaps Philip saw Andrew in more of a leadership role or or was kind of 
looking for for somebody higher up in the hierarchy to make the, the call on whether to bring them to Jesus. And of course, Andrew did uh, bring the, the, the breach to Jesus and, and Jesus goes on in this very same chapter to protect his death once again. Uh, now, uh, Andrew was the one uh, who brought the young boy in the feeding of the 5,000, he brought the young boy with, with the loaves of bread to Jesus. Um, and Andrew is known for for bringing three, uh, bringing people to Jesus uh, three times. And, and that's, that's his brother Peter and, and the boy with the loaves of bread and also the Greeks. Um, and this, this seems to clue us in on his character, both as a leader and also um, as somebody who is who is willing and able to lead people to Jesus. Um, and unfortunately, after this, there's not much mentioned in the Bible about Andrew, but it is known, uh, or it's, it's very commonly believed and held in tradition that Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in the city of Patras in Greece um, around 60 AD. Uh, and the reason he was crucified on an X-shaped cross is because he, just like his brother Peter, did not believe that he was worthy to be killed in the same exact manner as the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and so he requested to be killed or to be crucified on an X-shaped cross instead of a, a, a standard T-shaped cross. Uh, now, if you've never studied crucifixion, if you've never looked at the, the death by crucifixion, there is a reason that this manner of execution was the most brutal and the most heinous of the time. And if you don't know, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about it now, uh, but I do want to do a study on the death and, and, and the torture of Jesus Christ at some point. Uh, but death by crucifixion happens because your limbs are spread so far apart and the weight of your body stretches out your, your, your center, your torso section, and it stretches out your, your lungs and your diaphragm, and it becomes immensely difficult to breathe in this way. And in fact, the only way to do it is to support your weight in some way, whether it be uh, by pulling up on your hands or, or pushing up with your feet. Uh, and uh, we, we know that Jesus... His hands were pierced on the cross. His hands and feet were pierced on the cross. And that would have been extremely painful to either push himself up or, or pull himself up with either his hands or his feet. Uh, but it is believed that Andrew, instead, his hands were bound to the cross, not, not pierced. But even still... Uh, the rope or or hemp or, or what have you will will rub into your your wrist and and 
and tear into you after hours of sitting on a cross, your, your whole body weight pulling down on it. So, and I, I say this, and I go into detail on this, to bring home the point of both the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and also what the apostles were willing to go through for their faith in Jesus. Because I'm telling y'all right now how difficult it would be for me to climb up on a cross. Because I've done the study and I've and I've learned. And, you know, these people saw people, saw other people killed in this way. So they knew exactly how excruciating it was and how painful it was and, and how long it would take to die. And, and I've studied it and I've, I've read it and, and it's just knowing what kind of pain it would be and the, how difficult it would be to breathe all the way up to your expiration. It would be immensely difficult to to gather in the faith that these men had to be put on a cross. You know, and I, it boggles my mind, really, because before this, you know, when Jesus was, was arrested, all of these men scattered, they feared for their very lives. They did not want to lose their lives, not even for the Messiah, not even for Jesus Christ. But after the resurrection, after every one of them realized, oh, he was telling the truth the whole time. He really did come here to save us. And he really did come here to die on that cross for us. And he really did come here to rise from the grave and descend to heaven. And he really did do all of that for us. At that moment, all of these men, all all 11 of these men, immediately were willing to die, to experience torture for their faith. And that's one of the things that makes Christianity so believable. It makes the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you look at the apostles... How could you not believe in Jesus Christ? If you look at the lives of these apostles, the lives of these men, how could you not believe in Jesus Christ? If you don't read anything else in the Bible, except for the difference between the apostles when Jesus was arrested and the apostles after Jesus Christ rose from the grave, how could you not believe the testimony of Jesus Christ. I really, I don't understand how people don't believe. Honestly, you, I mean, you could just, you could just let the witness to people around the world. If you look at these men before the resurrection, and then look at these men after the resurrection. The pure difference 
is a testimony of the saving power of Jesus Christ in and of itself. But we now we're going to move on to to the de facto leader of the apostles after the death of Jesus. And this, of course, is is Simon. Or his more common name is, is Peter. But he began life called Simon. And Simon was a, was a, actually a common Jewish name in the New Testament. You know, we, we run across his name no fewer than seven times in the New Testament. All different Simons. Uh, but this, this, this name means hearing in, in Hebrew. And, uh, and of course, he was the brother of Andrew. He was the elder brother of Andrew. And, and he was brought to Jesus by Andrew. And, and they were both from the town of Bethsaida. Now Jesus recognized Simon at once and and immediately Jesus declared that Simon would be called Cephas, which is an Aramaic name and it corresponds to, to the Greek name of Petros or in English, Peter. And it, it means a massive rock detached from the living rock. Now, the, the Aramaic name does not occur, occur anymore after Jesus gives him this name. But, but Peter is, is, is uh, what he is called from there on out. Now, Jesus does occasionally call Peter by his old name of Simon. Uh... Now, Simon, I mean, yeah, Simon Peter was, just like his brother Andrew, one of the, one of the inner circle of, of the apostles, and, uh, now, unlike Peter and, and, and James and John, Andrew was not present at the, the transfiguration of Jesus when, when he spoke with Moses and Elias, uh, but, Peter and, and, and James and John were present during that, and, and these three were, were, would go on to be the pillars of, of the, the church after Jesus Christ, um, resurrected and ascended to heaven. Um, now, Peter is, is well known for, for professing his faith throughout the New Testament, and, uh, one instance of this is John, uh, John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, where it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Jesus had just got done teaching that that to to go to heaven to to be saved that people had to believe in him and and that he was the only one to heaven and uh well quite frankly 
people even today don't like hearing that message very much. Uh, you know, often you can you can find people arguing that message and trying to find other ways to reach enlightenment or go to heaven or or reach paradise or what have you. Uh, but the fact of, of the matter is that Jesus Christ is the only way into heaven. He he is the only truth and the only life. But Peter is well known for for professing his faith in this manner, and, and he does this um, again in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 20, and, and Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30, and, and Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. And again and again, Peter is, is stalwart. He's, he's aggressive. He's... He's outwardly spoken and professes his faith and professes his faith and then Jesus and then Peter and after the arrest of Jesus he falls short of his faith and just like all the other apostles he ran and he but not only did Peter run, he denied Jesus three separate times. Three times. He denied Jesus Christ. Because of this, his faith fell. And Peter failed in his faith. But you can never run too far away from God. You know, the very moment that Peter denied Christ that third time, he denied Christ that third time. He vehemently denied him. He violently denied him. And as soon as the proclamation left his mouth and the cock crowed the third time, Peter fell to his knees and he wept. He wept. Because he knew what he had done. And immediately he felt remorse and he felt regret. And he turned back to Jesus at that very moment. You see, it doesn't matter how far you run from God. Because he's always there waiting for you. You know, you know, the people of this world will tell you that the belief that you cannot lose your salvation is just a license to sin. When I tell you that is wrong, it is not a license to sin. I'm not telling you that you can go out and do whatever you want and, and, you can turn right back to God and everything will be hunky-dory. 
No, what I'm telling you is that when you stumble in your walk with God, when you fall in your path that God has laid out for you, when you turn around, God is still there waiting for you to turn back around. I'm not telling you to go out and do whatever you want. I'm telling you that when you are living your life as Christ-like as possible, but you stumble because you are man and you have a sin nature, that you can get back up and turn back toward God and he will still be there for you no matter what. That is what I'm telling you. I am not telling you to go out and sin however you please during the week and then go to church on Sunday, ask for forgiveness, and be okay. No. Because when God calls us to repent, the word repent means to completely turn away from your sin. Not to just idly ask for forgiveness week in and week out and repeat your sins every week thinking you're okay because you're saved so you cannot fall from grace and you cannot lose your salvation no my friends you cannot lose your salvation but that is not a license Sin. Peter was overcome by fear and he stumbled in his walk with God. He dropped that little word called faith for a few moments. And as soon as he realized what he had done, as soon as he realized the denials he had put forth. Regret and repentance came over his heart. And he picked that little word called faith right back up. That's what it means when you cannot lose your salvation. That right there. But you know... Peter, after this, came back to Jerusalem. After the, the death and the burial and the resurrection, and after Jesus came back and, and taught the apostles once again, and Jesus ascended up to heaven, Peter came back to Jerusalem. And he fought the persecution of the church and he defended the name of Jesus Christ in the temple, in the synagogue. And we're going to read Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. 
And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I, such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One, and the Just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know yea the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all and now brethren i walk but through ignorance you did it and did all also your rulers but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all of his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel, and those that follow after, as many has, as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, 
is turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So you see, the, the pure faith that Peter portrayed here is defending Jesus Christ in the temple of Jerusalem. Peter, just like most of the other apostles, died for this faith later on in his life. But after all of this, and after and after he went to, to Samaria and, and spread the gospel, and he went to Greece and spread, spread the gospel, and after all of this, he appears to have carried his gospel to the east. And to have labored for, for a while at Babylon. And, but it's not particularly, particularly known where or when he died. Although it is estimated that he died somewhere between AD 64 and 67. But it is known that Peter was crucified upside down. Because just like his brother answered, he did not feel that he was worthy to be killed in the same exact manner as Jesus Christ. As we prepare to look at the final apostle of Jesus Christ, I challenge you to think about the men that the apostles were. Think about the believers that the apostles were before and after the resurrection of Jesus. And then I challenge you to look at your own faith. Look at your own faith in comparison with these men. And begin to think about the twelfth and final apostle, Judas Iscariot. Because we will be looking at him next Monday. We will be studying the man who delivered Jesus Christ to the Jewish leaders. We will be studying the man who to their faces was a believer of Christ. But behind their backs, he was a plotter, he was a cheater, he was a murderer. Look at their face compared to your face. Look at the eleven versus the one. Think about this as we go throughout this week. Study it. Go and study these men and study Judas Iscariot. Next Monday, we will be studying the one who betrayed Jesus Christ.
Once again, I thank you for all of the support and the love in this podcast. And I dearly hope and pray that God blesses you all this week.